everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Weekly Wrap. I'm Yolinda Schroeder, News Editor of Farmers Weekly, and I will be telling you about some of the main stories that made the news this week, which is the 13th August issue. With me in the studio is Janine Ryan, Managing Editor of Farmers Weekly, who will be discussing some of the main articles featured in the latest issue of the magazine. Hi, Janine. Hi, Yolinda. The first article I want to look at today is all about one of my favorite topics, coffee. Farmers Weekly speaks to Xander Ernst of Alisbester Burdray in Limpopo about why he is pushing for greater coffee production in the business. As some of our listeners may know, Alisbester Burdray is best known for its avocado production, but Ernst discusses the opportunities for South African coffee producers. In 2016, Ernst decided to diversify his family's business by producing coffee beans. At the moment, says Ernst, coffee is produced in South Africa as a boutique crop. However, as demand for premium locally produced coffee has skyrocketed in the recent past, Ernst says he can't keep up with demand and is now looking at expanding production and hopes that coffee will eventually contribute 10% to the business's overall crop production. Compared with other fruit, it's not expensive to cultivate new coffee plants, and we have the capability to expand. Coffee trees are also quite hardy and easy to establish, Ernst says. So, is it all plain sailing then? Uh, Is it ever? (laughs) So while it might be cheaper to cultivate new coffee plants, it is a high-risk crop and costs must be managed carefully, he says. Alice Bester currently has 800 coffee trees, all of the Arabica variety, Although Arabica is the most common variety, it produces lower yields. It also has a lower caffeine content, which is one of the reasons it is the most delicate of the main varieties. As caffeine is toxic to most pests, it plays a major role in the coffee plant's survival by acting as a natural pesticide. The lower caffeine content of Arabica therefore means that it is better suited to grow at higher altitudes where there are fewer pests. Ernst says that harvesting is expensive, but that Alisbesta is fortunate to be able to keep costs down due to the area being a low-risk region for pests and diseases. Due to the cherries ripening unevenly, they must be picked by hand so that the unripe cherries are left on the plant. He adds that coffee plants are hardier than avocados and that he doesn't chase yields as lower production generally results in better quality. Picking is carried out at 10-day intervals. Um, And Ernst says, while one hectare of coffee can yield about three and a half tons of cherries, you don't get everything in one day. The next story I want to look at is a story on caring for lambs. So Farmers Weekly spoke to Dr. Yosef van Vanguard of Furmore Feeds about lamb management. Farmers suffer their greatest sheep losses before weaning, with the majority of lamb deaths occurring during the first 10 days after birth and more than 20% during the first three days. While it may seem like a momentous task to manage a flock of animals, management can be made easier if ewes are grouped together and allowed to lamb at around the same time. So what are the major considerations when it comes to the timing of lambing? The availability of labour and the availability of food. Van Vanguard says the lambing season should fit into a farmer's production schedule. In other words, it should fall outside of holidays and the harvesting or planting season and at a time when there is sufficient grazing or pasture to help ewes regain condition after lambing. The lambing environment is another significant influence of lamb survival. The options are basically in the felt under extensive conditions, in smaller camps or in lambing crates or pens. Van Vanguard points out that lamb mortalities average around 5% in lambing crates in comparison with 10% in small camps. 
and 15% or more under extensive conditions, depending on external threats such as predation. Lambing crates have a number of other advantages. The small space enhances bonding between ewes and lambs, which in turn prevents lambs from wandering off and dying. And it offers shelter against predators, extreme weather, and theft. The system also makes it easy to pair ewes with their lambs for proper record keeping. The crates need to be kept dry and clean as pathogens build up faster in lambing crates than in camps because of the high concentration of animals. Farmers can address this by limiting the timing crates to five days before and five days after lambing, says Van Vanguard. Alternatively, the ewes can lamb in small camps near the crates and be moved with their offspring to the crate shortly after lambing. While sunshine is the best disinfectant, the cubicles should be washed and then covered with hydrated lime before straw bedding is added for the next group. The area needs to be well ventilated to prevent respiratory problems, but still provide shelter from the wind and cold. The umbilical cords of the lamb should be treated with iodine as soon as possible after birth to prevent infection. The ewes and their lambs should also be moved from the crates to small groups before being introduced to larger flocks. The main drawback of lambing crates is their cost, but this is more than justified by the high lamb survival rate. To maximize the return on investment, Van Vanguard advises farmers to divide the flock into two or three groups, each with its own lambing period, rather than try to handle the entire flock in one go once a year in a single huge facility. The crates can be used as a ramp test station between seasons. Some farmers only use lambing crates for use that carry multiples. Um, but this will obviously depend on individual choice. And Von Vanguard offers many more tips, which you can read when you buy your copy of the 13 August issue of Farmers Weekly. Over to you, Linda. Thanks, Janine. So now let's have a look at the news. The main story was um, this week was the disturbing civil unrest in KwaZulu-Natal and parts of Gauteng that exploded on 9 July dominated most news media during the period leading up to this issue of the magazine. AgriSA met with various national ministers and as well as President Cyril Ramaphosa in an attempt to manage the fallout from the widespread unrest. AgriSA Executive Director Christoph van der Reerde told Farmers Weekly that these events, and especially the disruption of food supply chains, should be a wake-up call for renewed thinking about food security and the risk, the risks associated with it. Although South Africa is in a fortunate position with having enough stock of all food products, the problem is that the commodity bulk and food storage, storage facilities are too concentrated, which makes them vulnerable to unrest. What are the vulnerabilities exposed by the recent turmoil? Well, it basically exposed the country's dependence on specific harbours and transport routes, such as, the, such as the Port of Durban and the N3 Highway. We, are also, we were also reminded of our over-reliance on road freight to transport food and agricultural inputs on the Rio Sea. AgriSA also highlighted the vulnerability of farmers, particularly in KwaZulu-Natal, and proposed alternative management of the Moy River toll plaza between Durban and Johannesburg on the N3 highway. John Purchase, the CEO of Agbus, expressed the organization dismay with recent events and said Agbus is unhappy with the failure of government's intelligence service to predict the unrest as well as the slow response once it erupted. 
He said it was clear that the agri-food industry, as well as supply chain link linkages, had been targeted. Although the damage to the agricultural and food economy is still being calculated, it is estimated to run into billions. The next story that I'd like to look at is the cyber attack on Transnet's IT systems. Although all the operation had mostly been restored at South Africa Sports by the end of July, John Purchase said backlog was immense. Farmers Weekly previously reported that the disruptions to these IT applications following the cyber attack had brought agricultural imports and exports to a standstill. According to a statement by the Minister of Public Enterprises, Praveen Gordon, in the last week of July, Transnet port terminals, in collaboration with the shipping lines, was facilitating the evacuation of urgent containers for the agricultural sector, among others. Transnet was also accelerating the work on strengthening the weaknesses identified in its IT environment. Gordon said in the statement that data had, however, not been compromised in all the transient operations. The bulk, break bulk, automotive, automotive sectors and some of the agricultural commodities that use the general cargo system immediately switched to manual, resulting in minimal operational disruptions in these operations across the port system. However, Purchase said this thing is hitting very hard. It's a big disturbance on top of the disturbance caused by the recent unrest. Are there other alternatives for South Africa's export industries? Yes, uh, currently stakeholders are working especially hard with government to expedite the exporting of low-felt citrus through the Maputa um, corridor, according to purchase. At the time of going to print the force majeure, the clear by transport port terminals on 26 July was expected to be lifted, according to their spokesman, Ayanda Shezi. The next story is the biggest wildfire in the Free State's history. Um, it's destroyed more than 104,000 hectares of agricultural land near Pietrasburg in the Southern Free State in the third week of July. And it's the single largest wildfire ever recorded in the province. According to Jack Amour, commercial manager of Free State Agriculture, who said the value of pasture destroyed by the blazes was estimated at 345.5 million rand. At the time of going to print, early estimates indicated that the loss of livestock and infrastructure amounted to about 33.5 million rand. Will the province be able to declare, declare a state of disaster in this instance? Well, apparently they're currently trying to use a clause in the National Disaster Management Act to have this declared a district disaster, as this type of disaster can be declared if a fire is spread over more than one municipality. The Free State Umbrella Fire Protection Agency's report on the fire said that 396 farming units had burned down. Of these, 35 farms had been destroyed completely, 134 had suffered 90% damage, and 216 
had lost half of their vegetation to the blaze. According to the report, the fire had taken 27 hours to contain, during which time it had spread across 100 kilometers. The situation was ideal for runaway fires because there was a cold wind of 70 kilometers an hour, Amur said. The last story I'm looking at is the arrest of alleged rhino horn traffickers. SA Hunters has called for strong and swift legal action after Limpopo game farmer Darby Grunewald and Mpumalanga professional hunter, hunter A.B. Stain were again arrested for the alleged illegal possession and selling of rhino horn. The DO, the DO appeared before an Elspirate magistrate on 21 July. Hawks spokesperson Colonel Katleha Mohale said the pair was arrested by the Hawks Organised Crime Investigation Unit and Wildlife Trafficking Counter Intelligence Officers aided by private sector partners on 1 July while transporting 19 rhino horns with a street value of 2.6 million in two buckets. Fred Kampfer, CEO of SA Hunter, said South Africa as a country and its natural reserves had suffered enough at the hands of rhino poachers. Stronger enforcement is therefore needed to deter poachers. What is the background to this case? Kampfer said Krunewald was out on bail on similar charges when he was arrested. He was dubbed the rhino horn kingpin in 2010 when he was arrested together with his wife, two vets and professional game hunters after authorities linked them to illegal rhino poaching operations that stretched back over four years. They will make their next appearance in the Nell Sprague Magistrate Court on 10 September. That's it for this week. Please follow us on our social media pages at Farmers Weekly SA. Until next time, keep safe and happy farming.